Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is February 13, and our chapter reading for today is Leviticus chapter 16, the Day of Atonement. It is the most solemn day of all the Jewish nation, and I want to get into that in just a few minutes. But before we do that, I want us to recap where we are in the great story of God. Because you see, the purpose of these particular 365 chapters, one each day that you're reading, is to help you to understand the great story of God that began with creation and runs all the way through until the end of time, the new heaven and the new earth. I have divided the entire Old Testament and New Testament and the intertestamental period until the end of time as we know it into 21 different time periods. We are in the third of those time periods, so we're only beginning. We will pick up speed as we go through the end of the New Covenant Revelation, which is the book of Revelation, the capstone of biblical prophecy. But for now, we are in the third section. Remember, the first period that I separate and categorize based on 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, that says we are to rightly divide the Word of God. In other words, cut it straight, section it if we're going to understand it. This is what Paul told Timothy, his young protege. And so we have looked at the primeval period. That is everything from Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis chapter 11. And it covers all of time from creation to 2100 BC, 2100 years before Christ. That is when Abraham comes on the scene and everything changes with Abraham. And so you have that primeval period that covers the creation, the fall of man, the Noahic flood, the Tower of Babel, and then the call of Abraham. When you come to chapter 12, you enter into the second period, which is the patriarchal period. Now, I call it that because even though there are patriarchs down through time and the Old Testament, This was a particular period within the nation of Israel, especially where the fathers, who were the leaders, that's what patros, arche, means. Patros is the Greek word for father. Arche is the word for head or leader. And so you had a father leader or a father head, but he was not only the father, he was the priest of the family. Now, that is no longer within the nation of Israel, nor is it within the family of God called the church. Now, I know there's a teaching that says that is the case, but it's not. The Bible says we are all priests as followers of Jesus. We are a holy nation of priests. In other words, 
There was a time during the days of Abraham when Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the patriarchs down to the period of the Exodus, they were fathers and leaders. That's why we know that Job was written about during that time simply because Job is in the first chapter found sacrificing for his family. That would not have happened after the period of the Exodus unless there was some kind of special permission given by God. It wasn't the regular performance of how things were to be done simply because Aaron was the high priest and his family, the family of Aaron, were the priest after the period of the Exodus for the children of God, for the nation of Israel. Israel, and they were the tribe of Levi or Levi. And this is why those who served who were not priests were called Levites. And so down until this period of time, which lasted from 2100 BC, I date Abraham's birth of at 2166. And there are biblical reasons for that, that in this podcast I cannot get into, but would be delighted to at another time. But I date his birth at 2166, and that goes all the way down to the period of the Exodus. And now the Exodus lasted from 1500 to 1400. That's the dates that I give as far as rounding off. The actual Exodus, I date at 1446, based upon a passage in 1 Kings. And so that is the date of the Exodus. And so the period from 2100 B.C. approximately down to 1446, or let's just say between 1500 and 1400, is the patriarchal period. And then we have the third period, which is the period of Exodus. Now, the patriarchal period lasts from the standpoint of biblical books from Genesis chapter 12 through Genesis chapter 15. And then the period of the Exodus covers Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy in our English Bibles. And then we began Joshua and the period of the conquest, then the period of the judges, and so on. And we'll cover those when we get there. But we have to systematically section these scriptures off as they are written in our Bibles, or it's very difficult to learn to tell the story. And after all, this is what God wants us to do, is to tell the story. And the reason I have only included two chapters, chapter 16, the Day of Atonement in Leviticus, and Leviticus 23, which deals with the great festival, feast, and fast days, which are many Many of them celebrations, but all of them are not. These are the great Moedim. A Moed is an appointment, an appointment with God. It is on God's calendar. And he says certain things and certain behaviors need to take place during these days for the children of Israel. And each one of them had a specific purpose. And we'll deal with that in chapter 23. But today we're dealing with chapter 16 and the Day of Atonement. Now, there will be uh, messages on my website, TonyCrisp.org, that you will be able to access that will deal with this in particular, along with slides and so forth. It is not there yet, but it will be put up this year so that it will be there for all of those who are going through 
the 365 Bible reading plan. But it deals specifically with the Day of Atonement. But I want to cover the highlights with you. You see, the year, the spiritual year, begins in the spring of the year, Aviv, with the Passover the birthing of the lambs, and then the choosing of the lambs would have been on the 10th of Nisan. That's what the month of Abib or Aviv springtime is called after the Babylonian exile of 586. It is called Nisan. The 10th of Nisan is when the lambs were chosen brought into the home on the 14th day of the month of Nisan, you had Passover. And this is when God says, this is the beginning of everything. You can read about that in Exodus 12, 13. So all of this, we've already gone over to some degree. And then you have a period of unleavened bread, and that goes for a period of eight days. But immediately after Passover, after the first Shabbat, after Passover is the the day of first fruits. That was the offering of the sheaf of barley. And then you had Shavuot. Shavuot is the Feast of Weeks. We call it Pentecost in the New Testament. Then you had the late summer feast, which was the Yom Teruah, Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the civil new year. That's when all of the reckoning was taken place in the Old Testament and when everything was dated. It was the beginning of something brand new. And this is when for instance, Jubilee, the year of Jubilee is dated from Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah, the blowing of the trumpets. That begins a period of fasting and reflection and repentance that lasts 10 days until Yom Kippur, the date of covering. We translate that the day of atonement. Then after that, you had a period of celebration and remembrance of living in booze and lean-tos and tents as you wandered in the wilderness, which is called Sukkot. A sukkah is a tabernacle or a temporary shelter of some kind or another. And so that's what we call the Feast of Tabernacles in English. But the Day of Atonement is a fast day. It's a solemn day. In Israel today, in the nation of Israel, it is when nothing is open, everything is closed except for extreme emergencies. The entire nation comes to a halt. The friends of Israel know this and the enemies of Israel know this. And this is why in 1973, the enemies of Israel led by Syria attacked on Yom Kippur. And we still call it to this day that 1973 war and attack on Israel as the Yom Kippur War, because it began when they knew that all of Israel would be involved in this great high and holy day. And so the priest, Aaron, the high priest, had a ritual that he went through, and I cannot go into it because of time, because it takes about 45 minutes to an hour just to walk through it from the standpoint of describing it. But basically, what happened was on this day, there were two goats that were chosen, along with sacrificing of lambs and so forth, of bulls, and rituals were carried out. Aaron put on special garments after ritual washings. He, first of all, would choose a lamb that would be sacrificed. It would be unto God. And he did that through the casting of lots. He would reach into a bag, and one would have unto the Lord, and the other would 
would have the Azazel, the scapegoat, as it is called, that would be led into the wilderness, never to return again, a symbolic of taking away the sins of Israel. There was a ritual that went with all of this, but Aaron, first of all, had to offer a sacrifice for himself and his family because he is a sinner himself. You see, our high priest, the Lord Jesus, is without sin, but he is after the order of Melchizedek, the king of righteousness that we saw in Genesis chapter 14, according to the book of Hebrews. He is not of the Aaronic priesthood because he is not of the tribe of Levi. He is of the tribe of Judah, the kingly tribe, according to Jacob's prophecy. And Judah is the father of the line of King David. And King David was the one to whom an unconditional promise, like the promise of Abraham, King David was promised an everlasting kingdom and his son, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, would reign forever and that he will do. But he is a priest in a different order than that of Aaron. Aaron had to offer sacrifices for himself, for his family. And then he would kill the goat that was unto the Lord. He would go again into the Holy of Holies and he would sprinkle blood. He would place blood on the mercy seat because that's where God said atonement would be made. And then he would come back out, go through the ritual, and he would put his hands that would be symbolic of confessing and identifying the sins of the people and his family as well, upon the head of the scapegoat, the Azazel. That goat would be led by a selected person to a place designated in the wilderness and would be thrown off of a cliff never to return. I mean, the last thing you would want is to leave that goat and it find its way representing all the sins of the people back into the place of the city of Jerusalem. And so they made sure that would never happen. God forbid, may it never be. And so this had a series of rituals as well. In other words, there was the tying on of a scarlet thread when that scapegoat was thrown off of the cliff. Then the scarlet thread, the scarlet ribbon, would turn to white. Now, this has been witnessed through the Mishnah and the Gomorrah down through the centuries. There's a lot that I could say about that, but I just simply do not have time. I'm already 15 minutes into this podcast. But I want to say to you that as you read through Leviticus 16, I want you to do that in light of understanding this. The Lord Jesus is one person. He is God Almighty. He is the Messiah. He's more than just a man. But he is the God-man, and he died on a cross a real death. And he was laid in a tomb, a real tomb. And he was there for three days. Then he came back out alive again as the first fruits, never to die again. In other words, there were others who had been resurrected before Jesus, but all of them died again. The Lord Jesus was the first to be raised from the dead, never to die again. And he is alive today. That is why he is able to save to the uttermost those of us who come to him, trusting him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for us. He prays 
prays for us. And if it were not for that, we would be lost. If it were not for his efficacy, we would be lost. If it were not for his intercession, we would be lost. But Jesus died for our sins as a substitute, as the atonement as the one who would die for our sins. But you see, a goat or a lamb or a ram or a bullock can never be raised from the dead. But indeed, this is why there had to be two. Because when Jesus died, he not only died for our sins, but he rose again. He's alive. And so you had to have two goats, one that would show paying the substitutionary penalty for sin. But you had to have one that showed that he bore our sins away. This is the same imagery of the leper with the doves and one being uh, slain and the other one being coated with blood and flying away. Way, symbolically taking away that leprosy which represents sin in the Bible. You see, all of these were illustrations. The blood of bulls and rams and goats and lambs could never take away sin. Only the Lamb of God can take away the sin of the world, and His name is Yeshua. His name is Yeshua HaMashiach, and He's coming again. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.